Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Stephen Brannan. St. Paul, in writing this letter to the Ephesians, was in prison at the time. He was in prison in Rome. And he was writing letters to all of the churches that he had established throughout Asia Minor and, and various other places. It's actually been suggested because of the tone and content of this letter that it may have been not just to the church of Ephesus, but also to multiple churches that Paul had helped establish and visited throughout Asia Minor. Uh, we know it as the book of Ephesians because that's the copy that we have. It might have been the letter that happened to have been addressed to the Ephesians, or it was just the church in Ephesus that kept the letter. Either way, it's St. Paul writing to a group of people who he has had direct contact with, and the theme of his letter, the theme of this book, is be at one with each other and at one with Christ. That's the whole theme, if you had to sum it up. He goes on and on about the nature of Christ and his church, how that church is a body and Christ is the head, and in order to be at one with Christ, the head, you have to be also in cooperation with each other as the members of the body. That's why we pray together and sing together and meet together regularly because we are members of one body. This Christianity thing, it doesn't work in isolation. We have to be together. It's not just me and Jesus as some Christians think that it ought to be or at least could be. Even if it's not ideal, me and Jesus, that'll work. That's never been the pattern in the church, in the scriptures, the pattern is always, it's me and Jesus and all of Jesus' body. That's why St. Paul is writing to remind the Ephesians and the Laodiceans and every other church that he has been a part of and helped to establish, make sure you learn to live together and not just in a tolerating kind of way. Tolerance is a very low benchmark. That's the best that people think we can do nowadays, but tolerance isn't the goal in the church. The goal is love. It's self-giving. It's reconciliation if there's a problem. It's humility in the face of pride. It's coming together instead of being isolated. That's the goal. The beginning of the lectionary reading today, St. Paul says, I affirm and testify in the Lord. He's making a point to say, listen to me right now. This is serious. I am affirming and testifying. I'm not just offering you some thoughts, as he actually does in other places in his letters. The Lord isn't saying this. It's just me, Paul, saying this to you. I think this is a good idea. But here he says, I affirm and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. Who are the Gentiles? Basically, in this context, everyone outside the church. In the time and place in which Paul's writing, there are some serious ways of living that are opposed to the gospel life. And Paul is having to remind his readers, his listeners, you can't live like that anymore. You can't live the way the outsiders are living. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding and alienated from the life of God. Why is this? Because of the ignorance that is in them. Well, of course they're ignorant. How, do they, how, how are they supposed to know how to live if they haven't been taught and preached to? 
Well, that's true enough, but that's not what Paul's saying. It's not that they're ignorant just because they haven't happened to have been preached to. It's they're ignorant due to the hardness of their own hearts. Elsewhere, Paul reminds us, even those who haven't been preached the message and the gospel of Christ, the world preaches that God is true, that God is real. People can discover God if their hearts are opened. They might not have the full revelation of truth, and that's something that they ought to have, true enough. But they can get partly there. They can understand that God is true and real just by having soft hearts open to the goodness, truth, and beauty that's all around them in the world. But so many of these Gentiles don't. Their minds, their hearts are darkened, and they are in ignorance because of the callousness and hardness of their hearts. They have become callous and have given themselves up to licentiousness. This is willful sinning. This isn't just, oh, I'm trapped in a little addiction here, or, um, oh, I keep losing my temper even though I don't want to. This is willful sinning, that they're greedy to practice every kind of uncleanness. And this is what Paul is saying, you have to completely reject and turn away from. He's saying, you didn't learn this from us. You learned about Christ from us. The truth that I'm telling you is in Jesus. Put off the old man or the old nature that belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new man or the new nature created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul isn't just talking about acting better. He's talking about a new nature. He's talking about the difference in an old creature and a brand new creature, the difference in a creature bound to death and a creature set free and destined for life. Same look, same you know, skin, different nature. That's what's at stake here. That's what he's saying. This, you have been put into the death and the resurrection of Christ through your baptism. In a moment, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit in which you were sealed. In the Orthodox Church, we're not only baptized into Christ's death and resurrection, but we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is connected to us from that moment on. He says, don't grieve the Spirit. In all of the sin that you commit, you are exposing the Spirit to that sin because He is attached to you. He is sealed on you. And if you give yourself over to this kind of living, to a living that belongs to an old nature, you're, you're, you're exposing the Holy Spirit of God to that filth and corruption and pollution. Don't do that. Don't grieve the Spirit. The Spirit is in you to give you life and to help you, to help you live according to the new manner, the new man, the new nature that you have. So he says, put away falsehood. Let everyone speak to his neighbor with truth, for we are members one of another. We're not isolated. We are members one of another. Therefore, we owe each other the truth. Can you imagine if parts of the body gave false signals or messages to other parts of the body? It would fall apart. It would come apart. A cancer is when the body, a part of the body, runs off to do its own thing and says, I'm, I'm doing this regardless of what's going on with the rest of the body. It makes the whole body sick. That's something that I learned slowly as I came into the Orthodox Church. When we sin 
it's not just God that we're sinning against. We're sinning against the entire body of Christ. When we go to confession, we call it the sacrament of reconciliation because it's not just God that we're being reconciled to. It's the whole church in the person of the priest hearing our confession. We are being reconciled not just to God, but to all of our neighbors, to the whole body, because we are members one of another. Paul says, be angry, but don't sin. It is possible to be angry and not sin. Look at Jesus tipping over the the money changers tables. He was angry at what they were doing, but he didn't sin. There's a righteous kind of anger. So Paul says, be angry. It's okay to feel anger, but don't let that turn into sin. And don't let the sun go down on your anger. This is a maxim that people uh, have heard of, and I guarantee you they have no idea it comes from St. Paul in the letter to the Ephesians. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. This comes from St. Paul, the Holy Apostle himself. Why? Because if you go to sleep, if you leave it unresolved, anger can dig itself into our hearts and fester. Instead, he says, don't let the sun go down, meaning resolve it. Make sure whatever is separating you and your brother or sister gets fixed and that it gets resolved so that you can once again be members one of another. He says to the thief or the former thief, don't steal anymore. Okay, well, that's, that's easy. That's, that's, that's kind of a negative, right? You were stealing, don't steal. There, easy. Now you're fixed, right? No, this is, this is what the Christian gospel is about. It's not just removing a problem. It's transforming all the way in the other direction. He says, let the thief no longer steal, but get a job, earn for himself so that he can give his money away. Where, where else but the church do you hear this message? Where else do you hear, if you're stealing, stop it. Instead, make money, do hard work, and then give your money away to those in need. That's what the gospel is. That's why, why would we do that? It's simple, because that's what God did. God had something in his power to give us, and he gave up all of himself. He emptied himself so that we may have life. We're supposed to be like Christ, right? So if a thief wants to be like Christ, he not only has to stop stealing, he has to work, make an effort, and then give his riches away to those who need. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for edifying. Again, here you have a problem. If you're talking evil, then stop it, right? All fixed. No, you stop speaking evil, and then you learn to do better. You speak what's edifying, what's fit for the occasion, so that it may impart grace to those who hear. Once again, Paul goes above and beyond what the world would expect someone to say. A Stoic would say, stop stealing, stop speaking evil. But a Christian says, work hard, give away your money. Stop speaking evil. Instead, learn to speak good so that it edifies others and gives them grace. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you and all malice. And instead, be kind to one another tender-hearted and forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And this brings us to the gospel passage in our mass lectionary today. It's the story of Jesus healing the man brought to him by his four friends. And, and in the story of Matthew, we don't get this detail, but in the other gospels, we hear that they actually had to take this paralyzed friend of theirs up onto a roof, dig a hole in the roof and let him down with ropes on a bed just so he could get to Jesus, get in front of Jesus, because there was such a huge crowd around him. 
Why was there a huge crowd around Jesus? But by this point, he had a reputation as a healer. He had worked some miracles. People got wind of it. They started following him, and he couldn't go anywhere now in his hometown or anywhere else in the region without a giant crowd following him. So these dedicated friends bring their paralyzed buddy in front of Jesus the only way they could by literally letting him down through a hole in the roof. And now Jesus says to this poor paralyzed man, take heart, my son, take heart. What's everyone expecting him to do next? Why would he say, take heart, you poor paralyzed man? Because he's about to heal him, right? That's what the man's probably expecting. That's probably what everyone else around is expecting. But Jesus says, take heart, your sins are forgiven. That's why he says, take heart. Well, everyone expecting a healing, including the, the scribes and Pharisees, are like, whoa, forgiving his sins. You just met him. He hasn't sinned against you. How can you forgive his sins if they weren't against you? I mean, are you God? Jesus, knowing their hearts and their minds, says, why do you think evil in your hearts? What Now, <clears throat> to be fair, to be a devil's advocate, shouldn't the scribes and Pharisees truly think, yes, this is blasphemy. But in their minds, they're not defending God. They're not coming to the honor of God and saying, blasphemy, we must defend God. <clears throat> God doesn't need our defense. God can take care of himself. We ought to be concerned with the defending of our fellow creatures, our fellow men. It wasn't evil because the Pharisees were concerned about God. It was evil because the Pharisees were concerned about policing the law. They wanted everyone to be in line. They wanted to enforce their authority as the guardians of the law. And this was their modus operandi. This is what they did all the time. And Jesus knew it. And he said, don't think evil in your hearts. Don't, don't be guarding something that you don't even know what it's about. And he says, what's easier for me to do? To say your sins are forgiven or to say, stand up and walk? And finally it came. So Jesus took what everyone was expecting, but put it in a new light. He showed them that healing is intimately connected to the forgiveness of sins, the reconciliation with God. And to, he said, to show you that I have authority on earth to forgive sins, that I, God incarnate, can forgive this man's sins. He turns to the man, he says, get up, take your mat and go home. And the paralyzed man does exactly that. And now in everyone's minds, uh, the, the, most of the gospels say they were filled with awe and, and praised God. Matthew actually says they were afraid. They were filled with fear. Why? Because he healed a paralyzed man? Well, they'd seen him heal before. But because he linked that healing with the forgiveness of sins, he proved, and how could anyone dispute him? Sure, what is easier to say? As God, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? In the church, we continue to make that connection. Forgiveness of sins and healing of mind, body, and soul go together. This reconciliation that I just spoke about with both God and our, our fellow members of the church, this is a healing. The analogy that Paul uses of the body of Christ, it's more than just an analogy. There's an existential and ontological reality to the fact that we are members one of another, that we are joined together in Christ. Health 
of body and mind and spirit is intimately linked with how we're living. Are we sinning? Are we being forgiven? Are we forgiving? The Christian life is a holistic thing. We can't separate out what we do on Saturday from what we say on Sunday morning. It all goes together. What we do, what we think, what we say, what we pray, how we live, it all goes together. So Jesus isn't going to just send a man whose legs weren't working away with working legs without saying also, you are reconciled to God, your creator. That's how all of this works. That's why we come to join together, to make ourselves one body on Sundays and as often as possible. And also in that context, we are all facing one direction and that is toward God. So in St. Paul's epistle and in the gospel today, this is the lesson that we learn. We are members one of another and together we are the body of Christ. What we do affects not only us and our relationship with God, but our relationships with each other. This is what I want us to take away with us today. We all belong to each other. We owe each other lives lived in holiness. And in doing that for each other, we are becoming more and more and more aligned to, formed after the likeness of Christ our God. And he is the source of our life. And the more we are like him, the more life we have. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.